When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am Rachel Ann Harding and I have some stories for you. This is May Madness where I bring you a new story and storyteller every day of the week because I'm obsessed with stories and I can't wait to share more with you. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Strike One Repair and Rodent Removal. Are your timepieces off by a whisker? Is the mouse running up the clock too often for your comfort? Call Strike One Clock Repair and Rodent Removal. Ask for Dr. Richard Hickory. He also sells fine watches, for there's no present like the time. I have told you about all the patrons the podcast has. A huge thank you to their magical support. Seriously, if you would like to become a supporter of the podcast for as little as $4 a month, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com and hear me read your name and thank your beautiful face for the world to hear. If becoming a supporter isn't in the cards right now, then help the podcast grow by sending this along to a friend. Your friend will appreciate a bedtime story, and I will appreciate you sharing the podcast with another pair of ears. Some of the best stories leave you a little creeped out, frightened, or chilled. The theme for this week is mothers, and this is Frighten Me Friday. Some mothers are less than motherly. This is a classic story from Ireland told by Swiss storyteller Isabel Hauser. She has great affection for both Ireland and swans, and you can hear this as she tells the tragic tale, Children of Lear. In the time when the heroes of her legends were alive, Ireland was populated by the fair folk, the Tuatha the Tuatidanon looked almost like humans, but not quite. They were taller, more beautiful, and less tender-hearted, and one of their lives outlasted many generations of men. But like humans, they lived through tales of love and war and hope and loss. One of their kings was Lear, god of the sea. He lived in a castle on a hill in the heart of Ireland, and he was married to Neef, a woman of the fair folk herself. Neve was as beautiful as she was gracious, and over the course of the years she gave birth to four children, a girl and three boys, Finula, A, Con, and Fiacra. They lived many adventures together, and if this were a happy story, they would have continued to do so until their very own happy ever after. However, fate had other plans, and one terrible day, Neve died. She died, leaving behind her four children and a bereft husband, who in his grief and helplessness knew nothing else but to marry again, just so his children would have a mother once more. The most obvious choice was Aoife, sister of Neve. Aoife was her sister's equal in beauty, but Lear, in his pain, failed to notice that her smile hardly ever reached her eyes. Aoife did try to be a good wife, but her heart grew colder and colder and harder and harder every time she noticed that Lear's eyes only ever lit up 
when he was singing songs with his children, without her, and songs that Neve had taught them. And as the harmonies of father and children filled the castle with sweetness, Eva paced its halls with a stone in her chest, jealousy spreading like a slow poison. And one day she decided to act. It was a splendid day. The lake at the foot of the castle glistened in the sunlight like a pool of diamonds, and the trees and flowers stretched their tender green leaves out to drink in the warmth of the sun. Come, children, called Eva with false sweetness in her voice. Let's go to the lake for a swim. The boys ran ahead, pulling the shirts over their heads as they raced each other to the water and leapt into the cool freshness. Finula, however, hesitated. You too, Finula, ordered Eva, barely hiding the steel in her voice. But, Finula made to say, but Eva cut her off. You too. And so Finula stepped out of her clothes. Though the sunlight fell onto her bare shoulders, she shivered as she waded into the water. And when she was in up to her waist, she turned round to face Eva, and a bright light pierced her eyes, blinded her, filled her head with wide pain. She heard a cry but failed to notice it was her own voice, and she felt how her body changed, how her neck grew longer, her arms wider, and her legs shrunk back into her body. And when Eva hid the wand back in the folds of her robe, the children had vanished. In their place, for snow-white swans were beating their wings frantically, stirring up the water of the lake. Eva, mother! Finula cried out. Eva's spell may have transformed their bodies, but it had done nothing to their minds and voices. Eva! What have you done? Please, don't condemn us to an eternity as swans, I beg you! Finula's desperate pleas may or may not have softened Eva's heart, but there was no undoing her spell. It won't be an eternity, she spoke. It will be three times three hundred years. Three hundred years you will spend on this lake, three hundred on the Sea of Moyle, and three hundred in the west on the Atlantic. And when you hear the ringing of a bell announcing the arrival of a new faith in Ireland, only then will your curse be lifted. And with these words, Eva turned around and disappeared. Back in the castle, she lied to Lear with honey in her voice that the children had run away in play and that they would certainly return by sunset. Lear believed her, but when sunset came, the children did not. Lear grew worried, and despite his wife's calming words, he went down to the lake where the children were last seen. In the light of the setting sun, the lake seemed to glow from the inside. Finula! Ey! Con! Fiacra! Lear cried out. Father! came the reply, the sweet voice of his daughter. Lear looked around with relief, but she was nowhere to be seen. He saw nothing but four swans on the lake, their feathers shimmering in the evening light. He called again, and when he received the same reply, realization placed an icy fist around his heart and squeezed tight. 
Lear's face drained from color, he sank to his knees and wept. Finula's heart splintered into a million pieces seeing her father thus, and because she could no longer put her arms around him to comfort him, she raised her voice to sing. Her brothers joined in, their voices from their swan throats sweeter than ever before, and as the moon rose high over the lake and the castle, the four children sang their father to sleep. The next morning, Lear returned to the castle and vanquished his deceitful excuse of a wife, and that was the end of Aoife. Then he ordered his guards to build a cottage by the lake where he continued to spend his days. Every day he walked along the shore, and every night the children sang him to sleep. The tale of the children of Lear traveled far and wide, and people came from all corners of Ireland to see their tragic fate with their own eyes. And so, days turn into weeks, weeks into years, years into decades and centuries. And the day came when Finula knew it was time to go. One last time they sang their father to sleep. And when the moon rose and touched the trees around the lake to silver, the four swans spread their wings, rose high up into the sky and flew north without a backward glance. A storm awaited them on the Sea of Moyle, a storm that seemed to be never-ending. Gusts of wind tossed the swans about during springtime storms and winter froze their feathers to brittle ice. Oftentimes, the swans could do no more but huddle on a rock. Finula's wings spread around her brothers, trying to shelter them from the tide and to keep them from being torn apart by the forces of nature. And so, three hundred years passed. Three hundred years that felt nothing like one stormy shade of grey fading into another. And when the day came for them to move on to their final destination, the swans spread their wings and rose high up into the sky once more and began their journey into the west. On the way, they flew across their father's land and the excitement to see their dear home again was like the wind beneath their wings. When the hill of their father's land came into sight, their hearts nearly leapt out of their chests with joy, but... Only the hill had endured the passing of time. The castle, home of their childhood, had fallen into a pile of rubble, and their father's cottage by the lake had over time lost the fight against ivy and fern. One single cry cut the still air, and without looking back, the swans continued their journey to the Atlantic. The wheel of time turned and turned, and the world was ever-changing. The two Dedanon lost their battle against the humans and vanished under the green hills of Ireland, taking with them their stories and music. The children of Lear and their wondrous songs became part of the lore that people told around the fireplace, and no one, not a single soul, suspected that the four children in their swan form were still among them. But they were, having found shelter on an island in the Atlantic, where they lived alone, save for the birds that found their way there, attracted by their singing. But one day, 
a small boat came ashore, and out stepped a man in a long robe. He heaved out a large wooden trunk, threw a heavy burlap sack onto it, and then, lastly, lifted out a small wooden box, which he set down so carefully as if it contained something as fragile as raw eggs. Then he stretched and looked around, discovering the four swans who were eyeing him from a distance. The man smiled and nodded, and the swans tilted their heads ever so slightly, and that was their tacit agreement that he was welcome to share the island with them. And so the days came and went in unanimous silence. Each morning, the man rose with the sun and completed his morning prayers as the swans flew out to the sea. And every evening, when his day's work was done, he listened to their strange, soulful singing as he fell asleep beneath the star-sparkling canopy of the sky. Every day, the monk worked from dawn till dusk, placing one stone on top of another, and so, from under his calm and capable hands, grew first the foundation of a building, and then walls, and then a roof that was completed with a steeple. As time passed, the man used everything that his trunk and sack contained, but one day he brought out the small wooden box and ever so gently lifted out a small bell. Its polished silver caught and reflected the light colors of the setting sun, and with great devotion, the man placed the bell in the steeple of his chapel. With delight, he pulled the rope attached to it, and its crystal clear sound rang out into the world for the very first time. Suddenly, the monk felt a stirring in the air. He heard the beating of wings, and when he turned around, he saw the forest swans descending from the sky. And when they touched the ground near him, a bright light pierced his eyes and blinded him. And when he could see clearly again, the swans had vanished. In their place, four humans were lying on the ground, a woman with her arms around three men, and they looked as old as time itself. The woman smiled at the three men, and they smiled back at her, and it was a smile filled with so much love that the monk did not forget it for as long as he lived. And then, with one last sighing breath, they died. The monk blessed them and said a silent prayer so their souls would pass on safely to the other side. And that was the end of Vinula and her brothers. Their story, however, lived on to be told to this day. And to this day, swans are sacred creatures in all of Ireland in memory of the tragic fate of the children of Lear. No swan is allowed to be killed because you never know just who might truly be living in its form. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Isabel Hauser on the internet, tell her you heard her on the podcast, and now want to hear her tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. 
The idea for today's fairy tale sponsor came from the beautiful brain of Christina Vincent. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors on social media and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Like and rate the show on iTunes. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festival.